The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by an impact fee technician who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome back to the show, Karina Maybe. What's up? How's it going? It is raining and gross after it was hot and gross last week. Ah, sounds like it's my type of weather because right now it's cold. I'm doing conversions so you don't have to wonder. It's uh, it's 13 right now over here and it's uh, between 40 to 80% chance rain the next two days. Lovely. At least you don't mm-hmm, live in mm-hmm. like Kansas or Buffalo. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I saw the temperatures there. It was what, minus 20 or something? I was like, no. It was disgusting. Our low on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday is four and five. Gross. Celsius, by the way. Not like I. Yeah, I just gotta remind people that watch on my side of the world that I am doing conversions for you. It's just fucking cold. At the Chiefs game, I think they said it was zero Fahrenheit, so it was like minus twenty Celsius, and there was a dude in the crowd with no shirt on. They're dedicated. They do some weird fucking shit at football games. Just saying. They don't care how cold it is. But I did see pictures on, like, some TikTok, like, compilation of, like, it said you buy, like, a $20 beer and the moment you open it, this happens. And they were, like, instantly frozen. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, that really sucks. Yep. (laughs) That really sucks. The topless guy was, like, standing in the crowd and it, like, just because of his body heat, there was, like, steam coming off him. That's hilarious. It's just like, Jesus. That's gross. And then, yeah, I saw, I saw a bunch of people going to like 7-Elevens and stuff and grabbing a bottle of water out of the fridge. And it just freezes instantly. It freezes instantly in the bottle and they're like, oh, oh well, guess I can't have that. Yeah, it's bonkers. I like watching videos like that from like people in Canada where like they get like a boiling pot of water and then go outside and go to throw it and it just turns into like dust. Like f- instant vaporized. Like, oh, gross. Yeah, it's, it's fucking, it's not fun, but I would rather have it be cold than hot, honestly, because you can only take off so many layers before it becomes illegal. So, um. <laughs> yeah, but then there's, there's cold and then there's that cold. Yeah, yeah. I like a comfortable cold. Minus 20, that's a, I'm not leaving the house. I've got the heater on and blankets. Yeah, well, that's when like people have like space heaters and like heated blankets and shit on them too. No, thank you. But we're not here to chat about the cold weather. Today we're bridging the multiverse as we welcome Marvel's newest show Echo into the fold as it simultaneously brings the Marvel Netflix slate into the fold of the MCU as well as like continuing the Disney Plus canon as well. It's a very complex scenario with this show in terms of the the history of these characters in this universe. Mm -hmm. Following on from the events of Hawkeye in New York City, with Maya Lopez being pursued by Wilson Fisk's organization, leading to her returning to her hometown in Oklahoma, where she then must come to terms with her past whilst reconnecting with her Native American roots and embracing her family and community. Uh, Starring Alakwa Cox as Maya Lopez, aka Echo, 
Chase Spencer as Henry Blackcrow Lopez, Tantu Cardinal as Chula, and then the other main character, Vincent D'Onofrio, returning as Wilson Fisk slash Kingpin. And then we get a little cameo from Charlie Cox as Daredevil. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What did you think of this show before we dive into the full five episode review? So to preface, I never watched Daredevil. I never watched Hawkeye. So, and I get a lot of fucking shit, not about the Hawkeye thing, about the Daredevil thing. So my exposure to original Netflix uh, Marvel series shows was Jessica Jones and Punisher. Two of the good options. And honestly, like Punisher is my favorite thing in the world. Punisher was probably my favorite Marvel series ever. And then people keep telling me to watch Daredevil. So I will eventually get around to watching that. Um, well, luckily for you now, it's all been folded into the Disney Plus canon. So it's on Disney now. It's been included in the timeline. Because I didn't watch either of those. Um, my exposure to uh, Daredevil was in the cameo that happened in uh, Spider-Man. And that was about it, other than the horrible Ben Affleck film that we don't talk about. That would have taken away all the excitement of that cameo. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a dude showing up that like catches a brick thrown through a window. Yeah. Like I knew of him. I just never watched it. And I kind of feel like, I feel like I was at a disadvantage going into this show because of that fact. But I mean, you know, I'll get around to it eventually. But, you know, I mean, I think that they probably did a good job of incorporating it. Maybe, I don't know. There was also that random uh, cameo from Hawkeye in here, in this first episode too, which kind of threw me off. <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of all over the place when I started watching this show. I also did not realize that the lead character was going to to be signing through the whole show. So when I first started watching this, I was like, oh, I left the subtitles on. Let me shut those off. And then I realized I cannot shut them off. They are integrated into this show because they are necessary. Mm -hmm. I think having not watched Daredevil, I don't think that's a huge disadvantage because he really is in this very, very briefly. Uh, it doesn't really follow on from his story. Having not watched Hawkeye, I think is a bigger disadvantage because you get much more of... Uh, Echo and Maya Lopez's sort of backstory in that in terms of how she integrates with uh, Kingpin and his whole organization like you kind of this one we're jumping into okay she's like trying to get out of it whereas mm -hmm. the Hawkeye series is her like in that fold and sort of explains why she wants to get out okay okay that would make sense but I mean it's fine. I, I caught on eventually. And uh, like, after I got past the first episode, I kind of was just like, all right, well, I can, you know, I can vibe with this. But yeah, I do feel like if you haven't watched Hawkeye, a lot of people might be at a disadvantage um, going into this just blindly. I would recommend watching Hawkeye before diving into Echo. Yes. Even though Echo is the first Marvel show under the, the new Marvel Spotlight banner, which was announced in November last year, and it was basically a way to focus on more quote-unquote grounded character-driven stories mm -hmm. that are sort of less less involved in impacting the larger MCU canon narrative overall. It's more like, let's just focus in on this one character. Mm -hmm. And it was created as a way to indicate that because they're not impacting the overall canon, there isn't as much need to watch the Marvel Spotlight series, which I think is kind of a bad idea. Like to tell to telegraph that you don't really need to watch this, like this incentivizes people to watch it. But I think they're also looking at that as people are getting Marvel burnout 
and they're not watching all of the shows anyway. So let's really pinpoint this one is canon. This one is going to play out in the movies as well. So you need to watch this one. Mm -hmm. This one, not so much. Watch this one if you're just interested. And I feel like they're almost kind of shooting themselves in the foot because in general, the Marvel series that have been putting out have not been the best. And the fact that like now they're just kind of adding more confusion to that entire realm, I feel like it might backfire on them significantly because there's not going to be a ton of people like... For instance, if my mom was going to be watching Echo, she'd be like, oh, it's a Marvel show. Okay, eventually she's going to pop up in all the Marvel movies or something like that, just like all these other characters. Where, you know, so there's going to be a good majority of people who don't think that way through, and they're just going to go in there thinking that it's going to be all part of one giant, you know, thing at the end <laughs> again. Yeah, and I think that's why they've put this Spotlight series banner on this show to be like, if you watch this, don't expect this character to pop up in a movie. Like, they might. But it's not guaranteed. They're not a guaranteed like we saw with like Moon Knight and mm -hmm. the new Captain America and stuff like that. Like th these aren't guaranteed to pop up in the future movies. Yeah. So yeah, this one is, as I mentioned, it's the, the 10th series in the MCU, but first under the spotlight banner. It's also the first MCU series to be released under the binge uh, model of let's put all five episodes out at once. And it was released simultaneously on... Disney Plus and Hulu because of the MA rating. Yeah, I was going to say, this is also the first Marvel show to get that rating, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they've all been, what, PG previously and... Something like that. This one earned it too. Like, there are some pretty brutal action sequences. I guess because... I guess I don't look at it that way. Like, in my head, an MA rating is more, like, sexualized, but I think that's, like, the American in my... I think that's the American rating system in me because... When people think M.A., I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, there's going to be second sequences and, like, you know, brutal beheadings or something like that. Not, oh, hey, like, I, you know, killed a couple people violently. Yeah, that's because you're thinking um, M.A. in, like, the horror realm. You're thinking, like, Saw. Yeah. Torture porn is M.A. Yeah, this for me was like a PG-13 moment for me. <laughs> M.A. is very broad over there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, we have... G, which is general. Right. PG, parental guidance. Uh, M, MA is 15 plus. Okay. And then we get R ratings, which are 18 plus. They're like the, I think Saw actually got an R potentially rating here. Mm -hmm. And then, then you get the X and that's like the adult only content. Yeah, we do G, PG, PG 13, R, and then NC 17 is the adult film. Ours are a little bit more defined, like, if it has this thing, it has to be M. And then if it yeah. goes beyond a certain point, then it's M-A. Yeah, because I remember it was, like, a big to-do when Marvel was, like, saying, or when Marvel came out with, like, the Avengers movie, and it was, like, PG-13 ratings and stuff like that, because, you know, like, in Guardians, Rocket drops the, <laughs> drops douchebag randomly in the first five minutes, and it's like, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah, I think your ratings are, like, you can say this so many times before it gets, like, flagged. I think ours is, like, probably. If you swear, it's M. <laughs> like, you say it once, it's M. Yeah, no. Like, that's why, like, it's for me to have this be, like, an MA rating. It's just very strange to me that I got that just because she does violently kill people. But, again, I'm thinking in American terms. So, you know, that's, that's on me. <laughs> I assume Blade will get an MA rating as well. If it doesn't, I will be disappointed. We'll put it that way. Because the movies themselves were rated R. What did Deadpool get? Um, Deadpool's a rated R film. Both of them. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Yeah, because I mean, he swears a lot. Yeah, he compares the, the, the guy compares him to a fucking nutsack. Like. Yeah, <laughs> Deadpool one should be highly rated. Mm-hmm. The new Daredevil series should be pretty violent as well. And yeah, Blade has to be right up there as well because that's that's got to be hyper violent. Yeah, if Blade doesn't doesn't meet that mark, like if Echo gets a more strict rating or um like thing than Blade does, I will be highly disappointed and I probably won't watch it. Yeah, if if Blade comes out as a PG rating, it's gonna be like, what the hell? I'll be like, all right, cool. So it's a Teletubbies version of Blade. Great, awesome. No. Yeah. So yeah, and then under this spotlight series, there's one more uh, series announced so far: Wonder Man, starring Yaya Abdul Mateen as an actor slash stunt person who gains superpowers and becomes the hero known as Wonder Man. Be interesting to see how that goes. I've never heard of that character, so we'll see. I was gonna say I don't I don't follow the Marvel comics very closely, so all of the, these random side characters, just for instance, Echo, I had no idea that, who Echo was. So if she was featured in comics, I wouldn't know it. Same with this Wonder Man character. Yep. Also, to be fair, I didn't even know who the fuck Moon Knight was until the series got announced, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck it is, but okay. I had such high hopes for Moon Knight, and then left kind of disappointed. <sighs> We're not gonna talk about it. <sighs> yeah, it's bad. And then the last production note I have on Echo. This was initially planned to be six episodes, but then they scrapped the final episode due to budget and writing issues. When you told me it was only five episodes, that surprised me. And then when you were also telling me that all five dropped at one time, that was another thing that surprised me. So I was very thrown for a loop on all ends of that aspect for this uh, show. Yeah, I didn't think it needed an extra episode. We maybe could have got an extra like half hour, 40 minutes in them, like forming their little like ragtag group to complete the mission at the end of the season Mm -hmm. it kind of felt like they were all like on their own paths and then somehow just came together we didn't get like the planning stage yeah that's another thing we'll talk about uh further in this review because there are a lot of moments where that happened unfortunately for me (laughs) with this series and then on the the casting what did you think of alacqua cox as maya lopez I liked her a lot. I think she did great. Honestly, the the actors themselves, I really did appreciate, especially um, I'm not sure if they actually like knew American Sign Language prior to doing this or if they had to like learn it for these roles. But I feel like they all really took their roles to heart and kind of, you know, did justice to the culture that they were representing. Fun fact, Alakwa definitely knew sign language beforehand because she was legitimately born deaf. Oh, okay. So she's actually deaf. She's actually a leg amputee as well oh wow with a prosthetic leg so they sort of incorporated that into her character okay and i also read that a bunch of the cast learnt sort of very rudimentary sign language so that first day on set they could all say hello and welcome oh, nice in sign language to her to like welcome her in which is really cool well good on them for like being totally inclusive then because we've seen it so many times in different films where they where they cast people who do not actually have those kind of things um so the fact that they were able to incorporate an actual amputee and she is also deaf so that's fantastic um i'm really glad that they decided to do that and i thought she was fantastic in this role like especially because i guess for her being legitimately deaf isn't really a thing but like if they had cast an actor with hearing Mm -hmm. i think playing a silent protagonist would have been really tough because you kind of have to convey all your emotions through your face but I think because she she's lived her life that way, it was relatively 
just normal and how she is all the time. But yeah, it wouldn't have been as authentic. I thought she was fantastic, especially because this was her basically her first like major role. It's like the same as um Aman Vellani. Mm-hmm. She played Ms. Marvel, and that was her first acting role ever. Okay. And I think she's probably one of the best characters they have in the MCU at the moment. And I think Alakwa Cox is also on that similar level where first like major role and absolutely killed it. So yeah, I do like that the MCU for the some of these lesser known characters, they're not going, oh, let's just go and chuck in like, uh, like Taylor Swift in this role just because we know it'll get a bunch of views. Like they're, they're casting unknowns who are doing phenomenal jobs in the role. Absolutely. Now, if um, MCU hears this and decides to make Taylor Swift a new Avenger, I'm not going to be mad about it. I feel like they might see a boost in their sales. They already put Harry Styles in. I mean, see what happened? And that's the wonders for their for their numbers. So I feel like if they just add Taylor Swift in there somewhere, you'll have a ton of Swifties entering the theater. And then now they'll just become uber nerds, just like they're all football nerds right now. So, so yeah, I think that the strongest part of the Echo series is the representation of the Native American culture and then deaf and disabled people. I thought those two elements of the show were absolutely the strongest. The uh, the story is a little bit thin towards the end, um, mm-hmm. also a little bit rushed at times. Mm-hmm. Do you know my problems that I had with this? Because I saw the first, I think I started this before you did, and... I was just like, I need you to watch this so I can complain. (laughs) I think that's what I told you. Because the first episode, I was like, all right, we're off to a good start. And then it just was like, parts of it were like, boom, 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 boom. And then other parts were like, really dragged out. And then again, we went boom, 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 boom. So it was just, it was a struggle bus, the first episode for me. Um, I think that they just put too much in it, but it didn't explain parts that needed to be explained more. It was, it was a mess. Yeah, I think throughout the season, I think the pacing is probably the the biggest issue. Yes, the story is thin. It's kind of like a a little one one act part of like a movie. Like they're trying to take out this ammunitions depot, and then Fisk mm-hmm. comes and tries to get revenge for it. It's like, okay, that all makes sense. Yeah, but the the pacing is the part that's all over the shop. Like the first episode tries to cram in her whole backstory, how how she was as a little kid, what happened to her parents, mm-hmm. why she went. To then live with Wilson Fisk mm-hmm. and then also like coming back and finding her reconnecting with her family in her hometown. Yeah. And then episode two is basically just like a, the train sequence. And that's pretty much the whole part of that. The whole thing on that episode is like, okay. That whole episode for me was almost pointless. <laughs> Honestly, we could have skipped episode two and just said, all right, we don't need this. We'll just go down to four episodes now and we'll just like incorporate that little spot into like episode two or something. You know, like it wasn't necessary for an entire episode because there was just nothing to it. It was like a filler. Yeah. All it was, was like her, what she plants the bomb and then episode three, the bomb goes off. It's like, yeah, it was, there was like a 10 minute sequence there that we could have just incorporated into episode three and made it 50 minutes instead of 45. Yeah. Like this whole, whole show, honestly, just felt like you said, like it, it honestly felt like a side story in one of the Marvel movies. Like, Hey guys, we're going to go take care of this bad guy. And then Echo is on the other side, taking care of like this bad guy and her family trauma. That's what it felt like. to me. Yeah. And I think that that speaks to the Marvel spotlight. Yeah. 
yeah so i mean it's it is what it is um episode three was where i had hope like i regained hope on episode three because that's when we actually started to see her in action and i feel like that is when the ma rating probably came more into effect other than the unfortunate shooting of fisk and his eye spoiler alert but they didn't show that no they don't even show it they just show him pop up later on or whatever but like you you know like it's it's not until the skate rink where you like really start to see some of the violence i guess in episode one we got the the fight sequence with daredevil and her connects the whole series back to the hawkeye season but this time it's from maya's perspective not hawkeye and daredevil's perspective yeah i just yeah, episode three, I was like, oh, finally, we're getting into something. Like, this will be great. And then it just, like, ended very abruptly. It did end on a good cliffhanger, episode three, though. Yeah, it did. But it also has my favorite sequence in this entire show in it. And it's, like, the one thing that you and I both agreed on, which was her doing something on a pinball machine. Yes. The cliffhanger in episode three is probably, like, the higher point of the series. And then episodes four and five are kind of like, oh, okay. We're just rushing to the ending now yeah it was this show definitely is not not one i will ever go back to i'll put it that way because it mm-hmm. was just so messy like you said with pacing pacing is everything for me because there were parts of this where i was just like Ugh. but then there were other parts where i was just like oh cool something's happening and it's just- the whole daredevil cameo is very weird too because in the lead up to the echo release mm-hmm Daredevil was pretty prominent in all of the sort of marketing and promotional material. It's like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. This is going to be like how they bring in the whole Daredevil MC uh, Marvel Netflix series. We're going to really incorporate all of that. It's going to kind of be like a back and forth between those two. And then in reality, he's on screen for less than 90 seconds. Yeah, it was really a letdown for me because... I was like, well, if Kingpin is like the main character, like the main villain in this, then Daredevil should probably be in it more too, because they're they're like it's like the thing. That's a thing. Yeah, I guess the way they explain that away though is Daredevil is very New York based. Yeah, and this is you know back at home for her. Yeah, remote rural Oklahoma, so it makes a lot more sense that Daredevil isn't involved. But like, yeah, Kingpin is like the thread that connects these all together. Yeah. And it's a very loose, like, the way that they did it was very, very loose. It kind of makes me wish this had been not so much an Echo series, but, like, why why haven't we got a Kingpin spinoff series? To be fair, we haven't gotten any villain, minus Loki, but he's not a villain. He's he's a good guy. We haven't really gotten any other, like, villainous kind of uh, shows, though. I guess they don't want to do that because, yeah, I guess then you run the risk of, like, people liking the villain, so then you can't defeat the villain. Yeah, it kind of puts them on, like, that pedestal where, you know, yeah, I get it. But, yeah, it was just, yeah, I kind of wish that Daredevil had been in it more, but, like I said, I I understand why they didn't. They were trying to give her her own showcase and show about this stuff. But, again, the storytelling of her her whole like background and like her origin story and stuff like that with her family that was even really hard to kind of follow because they never fully explain it it's just yeah it's just weird like flashback parts yeah and it's like they don't really like they don't really explain like what it is or like you know how she's supposed to utilize it or what makes it come out and you don't understand why you're seeing all these flashbacks other than the fact that it's like her relatives from from past generations or whatever i guess but it's still a very hard to put together somewhat mm-hmm. 
But we mentioned the fight sequences and action choreography. I thought they were another really strong part of the series. Yes. You mentioned the German suplex onto the pinball machine. Yes. I thought it was cool that they it's like a Native American character and they incorporated lots of like lucha fighting styles, like lucha libre yeah. fighting stuff in it. I was like, that's cool. We even got like Ray Phoenix in promotional tour. Right. I saw that. I was like, ah, that's interesting. I loved her little um, like slingshot thing that she made in the back room with like the ball bearings for the roller skates. Oh, the like ball bearing gun. That was like the best thing ever. I was like, geez, who the fuck thinks of those kind of things? But it was super savvy and shit. Yeah. My, my note on that was, is she fucking MacGyver? Yeah, for real. Like give her a paperclip and a pair of scissors and you're done for, man. Like, But yeah, like some of the violence was pretty gruesome. Like you mentioned Fisk getting shot in the eyeball and somehow not dying. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. But then like his eye is there. Like it didn't, he get like shot here. Yeah, it's like a scar. Did it like ricochet off his skull or something? Like what's this guy's skull made of? Yeah, it's weird. That whole, mm, whatever. But then we also see people getting like shot in the back as they try to run away. They show blood, so that's that's definitely a thing that factored into the, the rating. Yeah. Some people getting killed with a ski ball, like the balls being just smashed off their face. Yeah, that was pretty pretty ingenious, though. I liked it. And then I think the most brutal one was the uh, one of the goons in the fight sequence in episode one comes running at Maya. She, like, hits him with a drop toe hold and then just drives his face into the edge of, like, a metal desk. It's like. Oh, he's he's fine. Yeah, that was that was gnarly. Like, oof. Yeah, the the action sequences were pretty good. Um, some of the CG was a little bit much for me. Like that train, the whole train thing. Back to that. That was pretty fucking hard to watch. But <laughs> that is what it is. Another pretty violent moment. Although they don't show too much of it, they just kind of show these swinging punches and the the blood splattering all over his white suit. Yes. When he attacks the ice cream man because the ice cream man is kind of like rude to little tiny Maya. Yeah. And then we find out that she witnessed the whole thing and that's where she sort of learns that violence is an appropriate response, apparently. Yeah. And that becomes like their love language. I love how he just like picks up a phone and he's like, I need a new suit. I don't want her to see. Oh, never mind. The weird part was he goes, I need a new jacket. And then it cuts to him and it's all over his jacket and his shirt and his vest. I'm like, and his face. bro, you need a whole new outfit. <laughs> like, It's not just the jacket. Yeah, it was a lot. And the the only thing I can say is in that whole scene, like I kind of loved the fact that like when he was done and she saw everything, she just like walked up to him and kicked him too. Like, fuck you, man. Kicks the ice cream. I was like, oh, okay. Yep. She's already kind of fucked up by living with this guy. To be fair, I, I was all for her doing that little, I mean, he went overboard, but I'm glad that she got like at least her little like dig into him because he was an asshole. And I think that I can relate to why Maya is kind of angry with the world. Like the dad gets murdered, mm-hmm. her mom dies in a car accident. So like, I understand why she's angry with the world and like, just fuck it. I'm going to do whatever I want mentality. Yeah. Oh, and then the other crazy thing, the sign language interpreter at their family dinner. Oh my God, dude, that poor woman, like being on payroll and then, okay, you're dismissed. Like, I don't need you anymore. You're not just fired. You're dead. Yeah, like. And they had like the plastic wrap all set up, ready to go. So they could just. All ready for her. Pop her in the back of the head, fall straight into the plastic, wrap you up, out you go. Wrap her up. Yeah. 
That's insane to me. The other thing I noticed with episode, with actually kind of the whole season in general, the color palette starts off very sort of muted uh, and sort of grays and browns. Mm -hmm. And then as it progresses, as Maya sort of grows into her powers and her character and reconnecting with her uh, heritage, we get a lot more like bright colors incorporating in like more towards the sort of traditional Native American color scheme with the, the yellows and greens and reds and stuff. I thought that, that was a cool touch. Yeah, I didn't even notice that, but that is kind of cool. And, and I can see it now going like, through the episodes in my head. That is really interesting. As her powers develop, like I think that's a pretty important point to touch on. I'm still not quite sure what her powers are, which I think is probably bad given we watched a five episode season of the show all about her discovering her powers. Yeah, we went through five episodes. All we know is that her hands glow. She melted metal on a train to like break something. Oh yeah, when her leg gets stuck. Yeah, and then she, uh, you know, fucking made a flashback happen for Fisk. And then magically she's able to like empower her grandmother and her cousin together too. So it's like, what do you do? What are you actually doing? I'm so confused. Yeah, I wrote down, like, obviously it's all linked in with, like, echoing with her ancestors, mm -hmm. drawing on their strengths and abilities. Yeah. But I, I wrote down, she has a healing ability, like, she they heal the bird, they can heal other people that get hurt. Yeah, because that was from her mom. Like, they, they blatantly showed her mom, like, bringing that bird and healing it back. Yeah. But, like, with Echo, it's, like, hard, hard of junk. Also, that, like, shows that Maya was probably a little bit already fucked up before her mom died. Yeah, she fucking slingshots that bird off a goddamn tree and then she yell lies to her mom, oh, it fell off the tree. Yeah, so she's already a, a little bit suspect. But then, yeah, she has the super strength where she breaks through stuff, like pulls her leg out. Yeah. The connection with the ancestors kind of has the ability to alter the past. Like, did she stop Fisk from killing his own father in that flashback sequence? I don't know. And I feel like she kind of just like, made him like backtrack in it and feel like or maybe give him the choice to make a better decision but who knows if he actually did it or didn't because that's never fucking explained because of course they want to make a season two or tie this in with a new season of daredevil who the fuck knows none of that was really fucking clear <laughs> yeah because I, I was watching that, i was like yeah did she like alter the past and make him not kill his own father and that's why he's so angry when he snaps out of it like that's what yeah he's like what did you do like what how did you do that or what did you just do something like that i don't know and then yeah like like you said she empowers her cousin and grandmother it's like what are your powers i'm still very confused that lady's like in her 80s and she's fucking like whooping ass for like three she takes on like three guys at one time and i'm like mm -hmm. <laughs> all right hulk calm the fuck down like and then, like, she can even, like, have conversations with her ancestors, too. Like, when she gets her the iconic, like, here's the super suit moment, she has, like, a full conversation with her mother. Yeah. Watching this season, she almost gets into that awkward territory of Ms. Marvel, where it's like, is she just, like, the most powerful being in the universe? And somehow she's a side character. Yeah, that's strange. Can we also talk about uh, this random fucking rocket launcher that just launches into the air and then explodes like a firework? Because that's not... Yeah, that's not how rocket launches work. <laughs> They're not on a timer. That's not how that works. It would just keep flying until it eventually came down and then exploded. I was like, in what universe does this actually seem accurate? 
yeah, rocket rocket launchers aren't on a timer. It's not like you have to shoot them and be within a certain range. Yeah, and the fact that he had the rocket inside a cooler with like soft drinks too, like nestled in ice and shit. Like worst henchman ever. Yeah. Apart from that though, I thought the final action sequence was pretty cool. Like lots of action, lots of fight moments. Mm-hmm. Cool returns with the monster truck taking out the bad guys. Biscuits is like the coolest character ever, and the fact that his name is Biscuits is even better. <laughs> but then the ultimate ending was like kind of flat. It was like, ah, he's just she stopped Fisk, and now he's he just leaves and goes home. It's like, ah, okay, yeah, it's strange. And did you watch the post credit? Um, no, I did not. There is a post credit sequence with Fisk on his airplane on the way home, watching the news. And they're talking about the mayoral race of New York City is like about to get to the conclusion. They're like, oh, it's very late in the game for someone new to like throw their hat in the ring because neither of these candidates are that great. Mm-hmm. I kind of get the impression that he sort of, it's giving him the idea of, oh, maybe I should run for mayor of New York and that way I can just do whatever I want. Oh. For me, that's probably what the daredevil season that's coming up is is going to be like. Him becoming mayor, having all this power, and then Daredevil having to, like, go in and stop all of the shenanigans that he's pulling. Yeah. I had a really hard time when she, when um, Maya was having that conversation with her, he's, like, his, uh, her uncle or uncle or something like that, when they're in, like, the overlooking tower or whatever. Oh, the water tower? Yeah. No, thank you. Don't like that sequence. Oh, it was a fun sequence. I have no problem with, like, the water tower itself. It looks fun. So high. It's so high, and I had to climb up on the outside of it. Oh, my God. You're such a pansy. Anyway, um, <laughs> get out of here with your pansy ass. I don't, I don't like heights. I just, that whole, like, conversation where she's just, like, really angry at the world, and then she's like, oh, it's time for them to have a queen in town, this, this, and that. Like, it just felt, like, very forced. Like, the, the dialogue itself, like, the whole conversation just seemed like a very forced conversation, like, a very, like, generic kind of cliche moment and it kind of made me mad a little bit because i don't know i feel like her character was like such a stronger character was led up to be such a much more stronger character yeah i think the whole like arc is supposed to be her wanting to take over like usurp the throne and take over kingpin's role yeah she tried to kill him and failed so that's why she had to like get out of town and then follow her it's like "Ah, okay whatever but yeah it was fine like some of the things I did like were the augmented sign language device. Yeah, the contact and the earbud thing. That was really cool, actually. That thing's freaking cool. We need that in real life. Yeah, like that. that is absolutely incredible. Like imagine if they actually put something like that out there in the universe. Like that would make things so much more like interesting and easy to like do. Yeah, so much more accessible for people with getting yeah. impairments. Mm-hmm. And then I had to laugh at the... The slogan that was painted on the wall of the skating rink. Did I miss it or am I just blinking? They had, make America skate again. Oh my God. Yes. I remember that because then the guy came flying through it, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. I was like, that's great. I love that. That's funny as shit. (laughs) Of all the things that I appreciated in the show, I actually really liked the powwow sequence. Like the entire like ceremony that they were doing and stuff like that. Like that was actually really cool. I liked watching that and everything like that. And the fact that they also put like a, uh, a thank you at the end of the episode mm-hmm. for um, their participation and help with the show itself. Yeah, all of the cultural representation uh, 
the the deaf and disabled representation. I thought all of that, yeah, like I said, was the strongest part and so, so well done, like very clearly respectfully done. Yes. Like it wasn't just, oh, we're just going to make this Native American character and just we'll wing it. This is what we feel like it should be. Like it was actually pretty authentic. Yeah, it was nice. And then so looking to the future, this, even though it is this kind of interstitial side series that won't directly impact anything, it's leading into the Disney Plus series for Daredevil Born Again, which is slated for 18 episodes, meant to release next year. Not entirely sure how close that's going to be because I'm pretty sure they just started rewriting the entire thing. We're probably looking at like late next year. That suggests to me that what they had written was not good if they decided to start over. Yeah, that's kind of concerning. I imagine it was written pre-strike and then now that they've following the strike, they changed a bunch of the way MCU production is occurring. Each show now has an overall showrunner that is supposed to look after it and make sure the entire season is cohesive, whereas before it was kind of like they would have a writer for each episode and they would just go in and do their thing. And nothing would work. <laughs> at least now there's going to be, I think it all just, yeah, it was like you write this episode and then Kevin Feige was at the top of MCU, the entire MCU pyramid looking at everything. Yeah. So he was linking things here and there, but now there's individual showrunners. Each season has that person at the top of it. Make sure let's make sure the season is cohesive. Yeah, that's a lot better. That person can converse with Kevin Feige to make sure that what their cohesive season is also links into the bigger story. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm excited to see how that's gonna go. Um I think it'll probably be a better thing in the long run, hopefully, because it did get really sloppy with some of these shows, and I think that's why a lot of them kind of fell flat with a lot of people. So we'll just see. Um but if they had to go back and rewrite all of it, it's kind of a rough start. Yeah. I'm assuming they, they brought in the, the showrunner who's then looked at it and gone, I know this doesn't flow properly. We need to fix that. Yeah. And then also as part of that, like reshuffle of how things are done, I think they've refocused on quality over quantity. Whereas like previously they were like, oh, we need basically something every month because it's all feeding into Disney plus. Like we either need a show movie to come out each month and it was getting to that point where it's like we're rushing things and they're not necessarily the greatest yeah no things got really sloppy really quick unfortunately and that's what i think a lot of times greed will happen because they see something like that's doing really really well and then they just flop it after a while and like no offense but it's kind of like what happened with the star wars universe in a sense i feel so we'll see and and they've done a similar thing where they've gone back to okay let's focus on quality over quantity Slow down, pump the brakes. <laughs> yeah. Make sure what we're putting out is worth people's time and investment. If they put out one solid movie and one solid show every fucking year, I think people would be happy. They would get exactly what they need. They would get their fix for each kind of little thing. And they could put out more quality kind of things versus just like half-assing things and trying to make as much as possible. And yeah, like put out like we're seeing with this Daredevil Born Again, 18 episodes. Yeah. Put out a long season because, like we said, Echo was the first time they've done the binge release model. Right. Usually it's week to week. So, yeah, if you're going to put out, even if you don't go the full 18, like you go like 10 episodes, there's two months worth two months worth of content on the week to week release schedule. Mm-hmm. January, you do Daredevil. Say, say they miraculously get it out by January 2025. Yeah. That gets you through to March. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. March, you can put out either a movie 
mm-hmm. or something Star Wars, and then that gets you another two months leeway, and like that gets you to mid-year. Then you put out a movie, mm-hmm. then you put out another another show that gets you to sort of the fall period. Yeah, you put out another movie, and then you put out a show to close out the year. That's all you need. Yeah, and with shows like their side shows, like I know What If is one of those things that like people talk to me about all the time because it's a cartoon. I've never watched it, but I've heard that it's probably better than some of the other Marvel shows that have come out. Um, so like, even if they had like their animation studios working on something too, you know, that obviously star Wars had their version of animated uh, shows and they, I'm sure they could probably come up with another one. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's the big flexibility that Disney have by having the star Wars and the Marvel licenses. Yeah, is that they literally have so much versatility. You don't need a year's worth of Marvel content. You need maybe six months worth of Marvel content. And then the other six months can be Star Wars content. And you just shuffle them around so that it's not, it's not like, oh, the start of the year is Marvel. The end of the year is Star Wars. Like you just mix them throughout the season and then. They need a good balance. And then in between you drop in like a season of The Bear Mm -hmm. or a season of Welcome to Wrexham. Or. Pixar has a new movie come out. Who knows? Like, yeah, it's possible to do the Marvel, the Disney streaming service without being like, oh, we need a Star Wars show and a Marvel show every month, and then the movie, and then this. It's like, okay, this people don't have so much time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, I just got through watching the la- the last part of the second season of Loki. Like, I just got sidetracked with other shit. You know, like things happen. So, in terms of a rating for Echo, what would you give? Echo. As bad as I don't want to do that because the acting was really, really well done, I'm going to give this like a two and a half because it just, it was so rushed and there was so much that was like left out slash unexplained. For me, it's like a two and a half. I don't think I'd go back to it, at least not to rewatch the first season. And if there is a second season of Echo, I don't know if I'd be chomping at the bit to like watch it ASAP. Yeah, that's fair. I gave it a three purely on Alacqua Cox's performance and the. Mm-hmm. The, like cultural and disability representation elements and and the action sequences like the uh, really for me the only thing that let it down was pacing and sort of the depth of the story everything else i thought was really well done no oh, yeah yeah it's not the worst thing that i've watched all year granted we're only like two weeks in but i've seen a couple bad things recently so I would say it was, it's been stronger than some of the previous MCU stuff we've got. So that's yeah, a sign of improvement of how things are going. Yeah, like if it were between this and She-Hulk, I'd watch Echo over She-Hulk. Yeah. And I think because we know this is not necessarily feeding into the things, I think that helps this show. Like you watch it and you're like, okay, it makes sense. It's like this self-contained story. It, it doesn't necessarily have to feed into things. You're not looking for... The Easter eggs and the breadcrumbs of like, oh, that's going to lead to this. That's going to lead to that. Yeah, there wasn't any of those actually that I could notice. Which is kind of like what She-Hulk was supposed to do. And really the only one that, for me, there was only one breadcrumb that came out of that. And it was Hulk and the like alien connection. Yeah. What the heck is that? And that's all we get out of that. And then the rest of the season was kind of like, oh, that was pointless. It achieved nothing. Yeah, She-Hulk was just not my cup of tea. To be fair, I haven't seen, like Loki has been my favorite Marvel show. Mm-hmm. honestly because it's been consistent but like these other ones i just haven't been able to jive with <laughs> so i don't know <laughs> that's fair all righty thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth if you enjoyed the show please remember to rate review and subscribe on podcast services and on youtube 
You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee, and you can follow me on social media at Jamie Media and at Ario Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.